Some men do say King Arthur is not dead, but by the will of our Lord Jesu sleeps, yet to awake, deathless, and reassure us. And therefore is it that grave where he is laid, this legend hath that still his kingdom keeps. Berlin, 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 Berlin. I'm begging of you, please don't tip my king. Berlin, 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 Berlin. Is it Morgana your type of thing? Your magic is beyond I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm the once in future Chris. And this is Still His Kingdom Keeps, the creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I cover every single episode of the TV show Merlin, including the last one. That's right, folks. We are on the finale. 65 episodes of Merlin, 65 episodes of Still His Kingdom Keeps. Uh, thank you so much to all of you for listening to us. We're not going away. Uh, we're going to switch back to our old podcast, Monster of the Week, to cover the Winchesters, the Jensen Ackles backed uh prequel to supernatural uh and then over there and probably on this feed too we'll be making announcements about new stuff uh but that'll be later in the year uh, so uh just wanted to say like it's been so cool being in the merlin fandom and like hanging out and r- seeing merlin memes and talking about merlin stuff with people uh it's just been so 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 much fun uh merlin the merlin fandom from our perspective has been really 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 nice mm-hmm. nobody even hates each other it seems like that's that's a rarity it's, a, it's impossible i think because it's yeah. it's all so old now i think it's just 2012 everyone stuff is, yeah it's everyone's just like they're grizzled war veterans <laughs> who are just like season six when season six when um i do want to say we're gonna have one more episode of the podcast we're gonna do a feedback yes. episode so this is your last chance to to write into the show you can hit us up on patreon at patreon.com slash monster of the week uh you could email us uh or tweet at us if you go to uh still his kingdom keeps dot cool i believe that website still works i guess i need to check that uh that'll have all of our contact information you can dm me if we're friends on discord you can dm us on twitter whatever you want to do send us your feedback we have a guest coming that i'm super excited about and we're going to chat a lot about the series as a whole and um what it was like being a viewer uh, when it was coming out live, which I think is going to be yeah. kind of the the angle yeah. on this that you and I have been missing. It's also good, to, these feedback episodes. It gives us, I think, a one extra week to kind of download and digest a, a finales and everything. Because we, 
we'll probably go through this the same way we go through every other episode of the series, but it's the finale and it needs a little more juice. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. the feedback episode will be a great opportunity to have that with another person in the conversation to liven things up a little bit. Do you think I could recut the entire episode and just make it into a boy genius video? I think that's probably Mm -hmm. pretty easy to do just with the... What's not strong enough? Come on. That's a a Merlin AMV waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's... Just saying... (laughs) Just saying, Chris, you were too late. We did, we, we did Merlene. I don't have, a, I don't have an Emmy to do to produce another music video. You don't have to produce it. You could just do a, you could just do a cover song. Yeah, I guess or not, be... not a cover song. Just use anyway. Anyway, Jeremy, Chris, this is a, this is a bummer of an episode. I love it, mm-hmm. uh, but there's no mistaking that this is bummer vibes. Uh, it's. It it starts, it just rips your heart out and then it throws it across the room and then it walks over and it steps on it a few times and then it puts it back in and you're like, oh, things could, nope. And then it rips it right back out again. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. this is a, this is a hard watch. Mm-hmm. Without spoiling Supernatural, I think that there's a lot of um, frustration with that because it just seems like the writing kind of doesn't follow through. It falls apart a little bit in that. Merlin, the only complaint I really have is that maybe this is all a little bit too fast and I would have liked to spend a few more episodes and we can talk about that later or in the next episode. Um, but I don't I, I don't see this as a bad ending. I see it as sad and I maybe wish it wasn't a sad ending, but it's it seems it's it's very deliberate. It doesn't seem random. It's just like, no, we were building to this. Maybe we did rush to it a little bit, but it's sad, but I think it's it's well done and I it's going to be in my mind for a long time it's going to leave me thinking about this show for a very long time it's weird because i agree with with all of that um that it is very sad it's very intentionally sad i think they they did in the last few episodes start working towards this this dramatic ending that we got uh i do think that this section of episodes this this runway of episodes that leading up to the finale uh it feels and I'll be curious how I feel about this. So we're, we're recording this now pretty early. We're going to do our feedback episode in like four weeks or something. Um, and I'm going to rewatch the finale then, but I'll be curious how I feel about it in, in that time because right now it feels a little tonally out of sync with the entire show. Because I, Yeah, I could feel you on that. Like the Merlin... Like remember seasons one through five and a half, where every, the every single episode almost ended with like a joke between Merlin and Arthur, or Merlin and Gaius, mm. or or whatever. Like it was, like it was dealing with important shit, but it was still like that monster of the week. We're, we're all family at the end, kind of like vibe. Um, and this, I can imagine getting really invested in these characters, and then watch watching Arthur slowly die over the course of this episode where Merlin can, can just can't do anything about it and becomes increasingly, increasingly upset, uh, had to be miserable. And it can't be stressed enough, Chris. They spent five years uh, working on this show, and the mm-hmm. finale aired on Christmas Eve. Uh, so messed up. <laughs> which seems, like, I feel like, I mean, I, I know production schedules are what they are, but, like, I, f- I feel like someone at some point should have been like, maybe this is more of a New Year's vibe, y'all. Like, maybe mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. this is a week after Christmas, like, in that, like, doldrum season between Christmas and New Year's. Let's hit them with that then. Like, on Christmas Eve, they definitely made kids cry with this. Like, they, I, I 100%. Did. Like, they made grown men cry. I know I cried right. when I watched this for the I second did. time. I did. I cried. Um, this is, it's so strange watching this episode you say you're slowly watching arthur die and to me i felt like i was slowly uh watching arthur's walls come down you know the secret is finally out 
they're finally going to have this conversation and they have it a little bit more and more because Arthur thinks that he's going to die and and this is the only time for for this to ever be resolved but in the end we're going to Merlin is going to pull it off one more time I thought that Merlin was going to sacrifice himself that he was going to use magic to to save Arthur in some way that isn't what happened and it's interesting the day I think that we recorded our first episode, and I've said this, but I went into the Discord and accidentally saw a spoiler where somebody said something about Arthur dying. And I was so bummed out because I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the ending. And just thinking like, we just started this podcast. I don't even think people know that we started a Merlin podcast and I just got this spoiled for me. You said some offhanded comment to me like, oh, I don't think that meant what you think it means. <laughs> and I don't even know if you knew what I was talking about, but the way the way that you said it was so offhanded that I thought, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. And I, even though that was in the back of my mind, this whole episode, I didn't expect it. I actually did not expect it to turn out the way that it did. Um, so in that regard, the ending was not spoiled for me at all. Then again, talked about this the the most famous version of the story is called the death of Arthur. <laughs> I should have known. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was in, in hindsight. I had it was to obvious. read it in high school. <laughs> I thought, um, and I'm going back a year, but I've really thought that you got spoiled on the um, the crash cut at the very end of this episode, where, where we're going Mm-mm. to modern times. Um, so, I and I didn't go and like look at what you saw or anything. So I just assumed that you'd heard that and assumed like we do a big time jump, which mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this at the end of the last episode um, and listeners can go back and listen to this. Cause I put it after the credits music in the last oh, podcast you? episode, you were like, maybe there's some sort of weird time traveling thing. <laughs> and like, I'd already stopped recording. So I was like slamming the record button to get it on the <laughs> mic real quick as you started talking about it. Well, um, that's cause there, I think there's, there's that other Merlin movie that has something like that. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I've yeah. got to have to, rewatch that at some point but that's um, where i was pulling that idea from but yeah i i i thought that that's i thought you were thinking that that was going to be the whole episode so i was just like keeping it as vague as possible and being like yeah like i don't think that that's quite as as what you might mean and i'm glad that it just kind of reset your brain a little bit because uh even going into this knowing that arthur was would would die at the end i think obviously that's a huge spoiler and it like cast a weird pall over the whole thing but i think the show is still enjoyable the episode I like this. I like the feeling of getting my heart ripped out by television a lot. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I think, you know, I, I've seen a thing about fanfic where, you know, you just want to watch, you want to watch your faves suffer or, or stuff like that. Like the real angsty fanfic is the stuff that seems to be, mm-hmm. to get into that, to get more views or get more popular, more, more discussed. Uh, like I've, I've seen people talk about supernatural fanfic uh, and, and just like where they're like, oh God, Dean really goes through it. And like, I, I can barely stand it. And I'm like, yeah, like I totally get it. Like, especially nowadays, I'm in this weird emotional state where I feel like I have that urge to cry or like, I want to have yeah, that, that yeah. kind of weird release, which, you know, catch me listening to boy genius videos at midnight. Right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like that's the reason that's one of the reasons I like this a whole lot. Uh, I can definitely see, and I'm hoping that we get a bunch of feedback from fans that didn't like it or felt betrayed because I want to, I want to see and hear what what their yeah. Angles I'm interested are. to see if that maybe feeling of betrayal is as strong mm-hmm. for this show um, because I think it's one thing to to really not like it, and not be happy with it. It's another thing to feel betrayed. So I am I'm actually pretty interested to hear how people fall on that. Um, 
because I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of things to take issue with. For one, it's magic never became accepted. Yeah, yeah. It seems like magic just goes away, um, and it's you kind of have to assume that when they start talking about the United Kingdom. I'm like, we have one of those. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. It's a um, um, it's a bummer, man. Because like, if you think about it, if you if you take you know Merlin living into the future as as canon to the show, right? And you you consider that future our modern times, then Uther won. Then yeah. U- Uther got his wish from the very beginning, uh, and it took his son dying to do it. And obviously, you know, I'm sure Merlin did what he could over over those years, dying to know like industrial revolution merlin episodes <laughs> i was yeah. just be and I'm, and I'm so fascinated by the time did, time job did the show mislead us or did we misinterpret what the goal was and i think arthur's goal was to do what his father couldn't and unite these warring kingdoms which he succeeded in but i think from our perspective because we were firmly in the the camp with merlin we wanted everybody to be accepted. And it's like a battle that still goes on in real life, not with magic, but with all sorts of different people. And I I think because maybe just modern sensibilities and being entrenched in Merlin's POV, that's where we landed. But now I'm thinking, was that ever... That was never what Arthur was after, certainly. So did Arthur succeed? He did what his father couldn't, but at the same time, he essentially created a world without magic. Um so, because we don't know what Gwen is going to go and do, and and I don't think that Gwen starting wars because she was, as she'll say, she was pleased to to learn this the secret of Merlin's. Um, it just seems like we live in a world where magic now kind of dies off. It goes into the, its quiet places and its corners of the worlds and the woods, and we just sort of let it go. Um, and and which it makes is certainly me... better than genocide, but <laughs> <laughs> it makes me believe that the writers really didn't have a clear idea for how this was going to end right like i think that and i'm and i'm and I'm, this is not me complaining about that at all because it's really difficult a to write endings and b you know shows are are produced and made at such a in such a crazy way that they they don't know that they're going to get five seasons right like stuff they, right. they had no idea maybe that so why why write five seasons why commit to this whole thing and instead what sold the show i'm sure was like this central idea of wouldn't it be interesting if every show like merlin has to hide this he's protecting stuff like it's it's got that tension built into it um and it's almost like they kind of accidentally stumbled into a metaphor for otherness or queerness or whatever you want to call it and they just didn't know how to handle it because uh, mm-hmm. we'll get into this more in our feedback episode, but I've, I've been told that they didn't, the writers did not want to have Merlin tell Arthur the secret yeah. that he, they didn't want Arthur to know. They didn't think that that was important, which is mind boggling to me. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's the so core conceit to, of the to, show. Yeah. It's, I can't imagine what that would be like. And I'm trying to imagine, I guess the final, final scene not final final scene, but the where where Arthur's last words, they would still, I guess, be as impactful even if he didn't know. Just the thank you for everything, um, him realizing in the end how much Merlin has done for him, even if he doesn't actually understand everything. But I just can't like that's what you've been watching. You've been watching and waiting to see what everyone's gonna think. What are the reactions gonna be? And I guess once we start talking about the damn episode, um, 
we can get into it, but that first reaction from Arthur of like, no, get away from me. Oh my um, God, dude. That's holy one shit. of the most heartbreaking things in this episode is just the reaction that you, you expect, which is like shock, but then, and we're going to get into this. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it, but just watching him go through the heartbreak of, of knowing that his best friend lied to me. I ran it a lot a few episodes ago about how frustrating it is that, Merlin has to keep the secret. He has to keep lying to this person that he loves, that he cares about. And it's, and it's just, it, this is played out on the screen so perfectly because this is betrayal to Arthur. Like yeah. this is, this is absolute betrayal. Let's get into it step by step because I feel like yeah. uh, we were going to have a yeah. lot of things to say at the end and we're already 15 minutes into this episode. We <laughs> I'm <even>. already hungry. <laughs> and, and Chris is already hungry. We don't want hungry Chris to come out. Everybody. We don't want to uh, start talking shit. All right, ready? <laughs> Last time on Merlin. The final battle has begun and the fate of Camelot will be decided at Camelon. Our days of sneaking, snooping, and flirting, curtains, troll farts, and zines are long behind us, and it's time for it all to come to an end. Merlin's magic was stolen by one of Morgana's tricks, and so he traveled to the Crystal Cave in the Valley of the Fallen Kings to regain his lost power. Meanwhile, Arthur was forced to go to war without his steadfast companion, but in the end, Merlin was able to regain his powers and send a warning to Arthur, avoiding, avoiding Morgana's final trap as the battle begins it all comes down to this we are covering merlin season 5 episode 12 the diamond of the day part 2 as the great battle rages on camelan's mighty plain merlin faces his moment of destiny can he find the street to save the man he made a king the camelot they fought to build and the brotherhood they shared this aired on December 24th, 2012, directed by Justin Malatinikoff and write, written by Julian Jones. I got a little weepy in that fucking one sentence. I heard you. I heard you. <laughs> what is going on? I heard you. Can't be this emotional during a podcast. Uh, we go right into the intro, and then we're back right where we left off. So this picks up mid-battle. Arthur is leading yeah. his forces uh, against Morgana's, and we get some more very cool uh, slow-mo shots uh, that I, I love. Arthur and Leon are absolutely whipping ass and the knights seem to be winning. Meanwhile, Dragoon uh, freshly emerged from the cave is riding hard for the battle. I did not in a million years I should have I should have known I should have known but I did not know how hard Mr. was about to drip all over everybody. He, Merlin, they just they turned it up to 11. They just said <laughs> let's so fucking good. go dude. Let's go with Merlin. But before we get to that we're just in the battle, like you said. Everybody's fighting, and then finally, um, we see Mordred kind of come forward. And Mordred, I will say, while everybody is like raging and sword fighting and slow mo, Mordred's just kind of like walking slowly through, cutting people down. He thinks he's him. He's not. Let me just say that he's not. He's, he's not got him. a cool sword, cool clothes, and, and he's got Morgana up perched on the cliffs above him, blasting guys around him, kind of giving him the assist. If I I don't know why Merlin, I mean, Mordred, whatever his name is, he's not dual-wielded, you know what I mean? He's got the sword in one hand and magic in the other. This isn't a video game. It's not how this works. But he, he could have been doing more. But um, he doesn't even need to because Athuja is there too. The other, the Morgana's dragon uh, blasting folks left and right. Um, it, it's so crazy here that even in the medic tent where Gwen is helping out, um, a knight gets thrown in chased by a saxon and this guy is about to get murdered and gwen has to save this camelot soldier by stabbing the saxon in the back and killing him um and merlin continues to race closer and closer dude and um, as as we get up more and more like slow-mo shots um arthur is rushed by a group of saxons and seemingly surrounded when out of nowhere dragoon high on the mountaintop calling down the fucking lightning blasting them oh, all away my 
God. Arthur is shook. The fucking sky is blood red you behind can, like, him. You can hear the guitar riffs. Like this is such an Dude, 80s metal I album cover or like fantasy this. novel cover. Like it is. It's just it, it should suck. It shouldn't look cool. <laughs> like it's not. It's not high budget. If Game of Thrones did this, I'd be like, the fuck are they doing? But when Merlin does it, I'm just like, let's fucking go. let's go, man. He's it's ca- he's so just, cool. It's a wizard on a hill shooting lightning bolts, and. It's actually amazing, like putting all the that aside, there is so much noise in this episode. And just as Arthur is about to be overwhelmed, all of his enemies start getting evaporated by this lightning. And then he looks up on the hill and he sees this man who he doesn't know is Merlin. I mean, he recognizes Dragoon, I guess. It's, it's that sorcerer, um, the sorcerer that he's had these run-ins with. He looks up and the sound goes away. The sound of the battle has fallen away as Merlin just sort of triumphantly looks back down at him. Um, and just as you like, you don't even know that more enemies come, Merlin blasts them and Arthur just rallies everybody up again for the, for the love of Camelot. And that moment is so kick ass. dude! It's just this one where Arthur, of course, he, he still thinks magic is the enemy, but in this case, He's, of course, not going to turn against this man who just saved his ass, you know? Well, he doesn't and have it's... time, right? Like, there's no right, there's right. no time to, to deal with this uh, possible threat on the hill when he's got the threat right in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does. He, he, he rallies the troop, you know, for the love of Camelot, and they do a final charge chasing the enemy away as Dragoon just continues to fucking cast lightning down. And then we and... get the shot of Gwen who asks Gaius, who is that? And Gaius says, someone truly remarkable. And like I'm just in a fucking puddle already, yeah. dude. This I am is a... this is the kind of shit that like elevates this episode, elevates moments of this episode. But you're getting that commentary, you know. Yeah. We always want the the people reacting in the stands saying something. And yeah, she says, you know, that's someone truly remarkable. Gwen's like, do you know him? And it, uh, Gaius just says, let's just say he deserves our gratitude. Um, he's being cryptic about it, but she senses something. And I said this, I think, last episode. I feel like. Something in the back of Gwen's brain has been percolating. Yeah, ever she's s- just been thinking. Maybe she's not has no reason to suspect it's this. But I think even though we didn't get as much time to focus on their friendship this season or last season, uh, I think that there's just something Gwen sees in Merlin that that she can't quite explain. Even though she talks a little shit later, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Um, and this is the this is the big moment coming up here. It's all happening so fast. But Arthur stops. He sees a, a knight who's just been wounded. Checks to see if he can comfort him, but it's too late. The man is dead. And then Mordred stalks up behind him slowly. Um, and Arthur spins and, and turns to see him. And there is this moment where they look e- at each other. They they lock eyes. And I think Arthur hesitates for a moment here. Mm-hmm. Because there's still so much unsaid. There's still so much that, that they just... Arthur feel I think he feels sorry a little bit. He was betrayed by Mordred, but I think he still feels sorry to have lost a brother like this. And... Uh, but Arthur hesitates and Mordred stabs him. And Mordred says, you gave me no choice. Arthur pushes back. He stands back up and he stabs Mordred and kills him. And there is that, that head-on camera shot uh, of both talk of about their this. faces. This, 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 this where, like directly looking into the camera thing and just like super close up of their face where they're both shocked and, and, and I miserable. I think there is, there's like fear and... And sadness on Arthur's face. Like, you know, he knows he's wounded, but he still feels sad that it came down to this with Mordred. And you look at Mordred, and I think that there's there's a little bit of that in his eye, too, even though he kind of laughs 
as he dies. Um, like, I got you, motherfucker. But I think that there is a little bit of sadness in it where they recognize for one second that we were brothers once. And here we are. And the show never spent enough time to build that up. But I think, at least me as a viewer, I can interpret that. I can fill in the gaps with my imagination. I'm seeing a little Obi-Wan Anakin here. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> it's And it's not in the text. It is not in the text. But it's there in my head. And that's okay. Because it's such a short moment. And the fact that just a second later, it seems like Merlin swoops in and lifts Arthur up. It's like we don't even spend any time. There's one. The camera lingers on Mordred's dead body for half a second, and then we That's keep it. moving. That's it. Uh, we go to the medical tent uh, where Leon uh, tells Gwen that the battle is won, and they're going to chase the rest of the soldiers away, but Arthur has not been found yet. Uh, and Gwen, of course, is extremely upset about this, but goes immediately back to tend to the yeah, wounded. She's trying, she's trying to be a leader, and I, this is going to be – this is an, an indicator – of what the future is going to be for Gwen. Um, she is scared and, and worried and, and sad, uh, but she knows that there is work to be done and she gets to it. And you know that that's, that's a reflection of what her queen life will be. <laughs> I want to... Dragoon finds Arthur here uh, and is going to pick him up and carry him away, uh, which is its own kind of imagery very specifically, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really difficult to look at this episode and the things that the way that Arthur and Merlin interact and the way that they talk to each other throughout and not pick up on like some extreme romantic overtones. At least it is to yeah. me. Like this is either, definitely, definitely. this is either like bros before all things <laughs> or it's guys. Yeah, being dudes. I think that they're, as, as, you know, I've watched a lot of stuff and it's always the friendship stuff that will make me cry in a movie. Mm-hmm. And I understand that a lot of that turns into shipping or whatever. And it's not because it's just like, oh, men can't be friends. They have to, if they act like this, they, and I don't know, I know nobody really thinks that they just, you know, they see, they see something else. And I think here it's extremely valid to see romance, right? Um, Dude, the face touches and, alone. Like there's, yeah. I mean, like take a shot every time they touch each one another's face in this. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's a ridiculous it's amount of face extraordinarily intimate. And I do still think that, that, you know, especially looking at like old english novels and stuff like there's the um there's a term and it might be homosocial but i don't know if that's even like okay to say i learned about this in a class where it was just like men finding these ways to like deeply connect with one another um and it's just whatever it is it's really really beautiful um because i having a friendship that deep is extraordinarily beautiful and i just think it's it is almost easier to read it as a romantic love a deep romantic love and there's a part of me that throughout this is saying merlin is finally able to openly express that that deep love and it's just now that it's almost dawning on arthur that he feels the same way um and however whatever kind of love you want that to be and i'm talking romantic um but it's just that's what it seems like to me like it's just it's dawning um and again regardless this is this is the moment that arthur truly truly realizes not this moment but by the end of the episode how much love he has from from merlin for this man who's given him everything i saw today and i did no extra research on this it was just like a random tweet in the feed or whatever but uh that the origin of the term matey from like the high seas comes from Mm. like a french term where i think it was french where these were sailors basically had like a like a, a relationship that they had to like make official um and like it was so it was just basically like two gay dudes on a ship uh and that's how the, the term matey got got started uh interesting and i wish i tried to look it up just now on, on google and i'm not finding anything which makes me think either it was totally fake or i'm just not googling right but uh it's, it's that kind of stuff where like people are always like well 
it's it's historical. They you know they definitely wouldn't be gay, and I'm like, they're gay people ex- have existed. I actually since the dawn think of time. that that's that's less the case. I think that society <laughs> has gotten stricter and tighter, and now all men are insane because they can't just even like say hi to their pals without you know being called a name. Um, when back, I don't know what the fuck am I talking about. I just think. That these men love each other. These men love each other. It's pretty obvious. Uh, while this is happening, I just I, we didn't we didn't talk about it. And I have it in my notes to to specifically mention. They are walking through just a field of corpses under yes. this like dark like blood sky, and it's like the CGI is a little dodgy. But when is it just enough to really get my imagination firing up? And I just mm-hmm. Merlin walking through the corpses, both of the Saxons and of the, the Knights of Camelot is just such incredibly vivid imagery. And then he, I don't know. We t- talked a lot about uh, Colin Morgan getting yacked this season because he was doing some stuff in real life. Dragoon just picks Arthur up, just straight up like fucking carries that dude in two arms. Uh, and Arthur's wearing full chainmail. <laughs> yeah, that's and a, we already heavy... learned that when he's in Dragoon form, he's actually physically older Weak. and yeah. physically weaker. Yeah, and it's um, I I think that that's even more of a it's the power of love, man. Power of love, absolutely. Uh, Arthur wakes up. Uh, it's nighttime. He's next to a fire. Merlin is back this to himself. This is the first time I cried. Uh, Arthur can't move uh, without extreme pain. And he asks Merlin, where have you been? And Merlin says, it doesn't matter now. Uh, and I'm not going to be able to read these. <laughs> I wrote dialogue down for a lot says. of this. He says, uh, I'm sorry. I thought I defied the prophecy. And pretty much from minute one, Merlin is crying. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's come, And it's it, with every word, it's... It, it's it's bigger and bigger but he says i'm sorry i thought i defied the prophecy i thought i was in time uh and then he starts going on i defeated the saxons i defeated the dragon but in the end i knew it was mordred i had to stop um and arthur's like already kind of laughing at merlin <laughs> like what do you like the person who defeated them was the sorcerer okay and brother this is where it really Ooh. opens up for merlin and it really opened up for me when merlin says it was me he's crying He's openly, heavily crying. It was me. I'm a sorcerer. I have magic. And I use it for you, Arthur. Only for you. What a, and I, what it's a line. really funny the way that is that is the confession that we've been waiting to hear this entire show. And it's really funny how they, they don't, I don't want to say they undercut it, but they kind of shift that tone because Arthur just bounces back with, you're not a sorcerer. I would know. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> And that's his whole thing. It's he goes from this is this is this this is the most ridiculous thing you've ever said to me, Merlin. Um, and it's it's very it's it's funny in that regard. But this is also just so heartbreaking. And Merlin proves that he has magic by lighting their fire with it. Well, he conjures and, he conjures a dragon in the fire. Like yeah. it's not even like a like a magician's right, trick, right. which I think Arthur would probably be like, "Oh, you're you know you're just being you're a trick you're a trickster or whatever." Like that's not yeah. real magic. Like he he makes a dragon like fly in the fire, and Arthur is like, "What the fuck?" And he is completely mm-hmm. stunned, and he looks I... away from Merlin and is like, "Leave me, just leave me." That is. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's boy. painful. It's extremely painful. And I just thought, wow, what the fuck, Arthur? Um, the first time I watched it, I watched this episode twice. And the first time I thought, oh, he's, he's uncomfortable with this. He doesn't, like, get away from me. Like, that's his instant thing. Watching it the second time, my first thought was, Arthur is afraid. And I just didn't see that fear in his eyes the first time, or I didn't interpret it as fear in his eyes. Um, and I think that that's just as hurtful to Merlin, no matter how... But I, I think it's just this moment of... of 
disbelief that that turns into fear because it's something so out of the ordinary, so unexpected for him that he doesn't know how to react and he pushes Merlin away. Um, and we're going to see him come around to it. But I was so worried that when, especially after Gaius showed up, I thought that Merlin was going to go off on his own to Avalon to do a thing, sacrifice his life. And then we'd cut back over to Arthur and he'd be resurrected and he'd be good as new. And then he would have to be left with this notion of never seeing Merlin again. And the last time that he spoke to him, he basically told him to fuck off. I'm glad that that's not what happened, but that is sort of where I thought we were going with this episode. Uh, So I'm glad they had more time to unpack it, but he just tells Merlin to leave him. That stinks. I will, I will say if you look at this from Arthur's perspective, how much of a betrayal this must feel to Arthur. And like, think about the things that have happened throughout Arthur's life. Like he lost his mother being born, which I think always kind of sets you up for like a weird, like guilt vibe. What? Right. Yeah. Um, his father came back from the dead and yelled at him a whole lot, which was real shitty. He sure did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he is, you know, having to come to terms with the fact that his father wasn't this great King and role model that he should aspire to, that he should walk his own path has been like one of Arthur's journeys throughout this. But then you, you think about Morgana turning out to be magic, to have, have magic and then be, have it corrupt her into, you know, starting this war and killing hundreds of people around him. Uh, you think about how she brainwashed Gwen and he almost lost Gwen. Uh, and you think about the time that Gwen literally, he literally had to kick Gwen out. Um, and mm-hmm. the consistent thing through every one of those things, not the mom stuff, but like it's consistently the thing that has been there has been Merlin. And mm-hmm. as there has been, you know, there's been a lot of jokes and a lot of back and forth. And even in the, in the last episode where Arthur said, I, you know, all, the, all those jokes about you being a coward were just jokes. You're one of the bravest men I knew. Uh, I know. He like he leaned on Merlin, mm-hmm. and he allowed Merlin to help him, uh, and maybe made fun of him along the way or whatever. Jokey, jokey, jokey. But Merlin was his guy. Merlin mm-hmm. was his his rock throughout all of this. And learning that the entire time he's been lying to him is just. It, it's just heartbreaking. Like, and you can tell Arthur, that's why Arthur here is just, it's almost confusing to watch because you see it and you expect this like outburst of emotion or this like o- over the top reaction from Arthur. But instead it's just like acceptance, but not quite acceptance, but it's just like, get the fuck away from me. Like not you yeah. too. And he like, just, he literally can't move. So he's like squirming yeah. on the ground. Like he doesn't even know he's so, he's so at a disadvantage here. Uh, he's so blindsided by this that he is just he, he just says get away from me, which hurts to to see, and it hurts Merlin, Merlin of course. Um, but it's yeah, I guess we understand. We can understand Arthur, even though it hurts. Yeah, absolutely. I I I'm very empathic to do Arthur in this episode. Like the the queer metaphor aside, just his actual character, uh, and just how often he was betrayed by his friends and loved ones like I, and I, I forgot to mention Mordred during all of that right like we also right. have to talk about Mordred and uh, I was gonna say Lance a lot but he that was all magic Morgana stuff but but it still happened to him right like it's still like mm-hmm. he doesn't know that I, I was convinced that they would go back for that bracelet at some point um and that they would they would figure all that out but they never do anyway it doesn't matter uh we go back to Gwen who was in Camelot um, and she's watching all of the injured people being brought to the castle. Uh, when Leon arrives, there's still no sign of Arthur. 
Uh, but she knows in her heart that he's alive, and she asks who else is unaccount- unaccounted for, and it's Gaius. And Gaius, of course, is in the woods uh, where he meets up with Merlin, who is extremely concerned about Arthur basically not responding to him. And mm-hmm. Arthur is, and Gaius is just like, why don't you go water the horses? And Arthur's and as Merlin leaves, Arthur stops pretending to be kind of out of it and grabs Gaius. It's like, you got to get me out of here. He's a sorcerer. <laughs> yeah. And Gaius, and Gaius, oh, yeah. Gaius doesn't say anything at first. And <laughs> Arthur realizes you knew. I feel like that's, that is actually Arthur's first step towards acceptance is realizing that Gaius knew. Um, he doesn't even go through like an anger thing with guys. How could you not tell me? He just goes, you knew, like, of course you knew. Um, and it just feels like that opens him up a little bit more just to be like, okay, well, this wasn't a total secret from everybody. I I have to still trust Gaius, Right. And if Gaius never told me this then surely, you know, I don't know. I think that just the, the wheels are turning a little bit, but then Gaius is like, you know, Merlin's not just a sorcerer. He is the greatest sorcerer to ever live. Like, there's, like, legends and prophecies, and, like, he's the big cheese. Um, <laughs> Arthur's Arthur's reaction is just, Merlin? <laughs> it's really Mer- yeah, funny. Yeah, all the seriousness is, continues to be undercut by his absolute disbelief. And, um... Uh, you mentioned that he like he he doesn't react with any kind of anger towards Gaius, and that this is like the moment where he starts moving towards acceptance. It's interesting to me that they wrote this th- so that Arthur doesn't really express any anger. Uh, like he, it's so his betrayal is so beyond making him angry. Like it's it's that classic like I'm I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed, and that's worse kind mm-hmm. of situation. He is just fucking heartbroken about this and finding out that like more people knew about it. Like I'm sure mm-hmm. if I was Arthur, this one would be like, well, does fucking Gwen know? Too? Does Gwen know? Who else was keeping <laughs> this away from me? Like, um, and you have to assume that it isn't just like we we're always on Merlin's side, so we we're seeing it a certain way from Arthur's perspective. Surely he's saying, well, if he's lying about the magic, then has he just been lying about being my friend? Yeah. Is he lying about, you know, everything else has just all just been some trick. Um, so, you know, it, it makes sense on, in, in that regard. But um, unfortunately we've downloaded some Intel and it's the fact that Mordred had a dragon forged steel sword and a piece of that is stuck in Arthur and it is slowly killing him. And it, because it's dragon forged steel, it's a, it's a big deal, bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just simply heal it with, with herbs or with magic. Like we're going to need something major. It's going to, we're going to have to go to the she at the Lake of Avalon. We're going to need to create some sort of power source, uh, mm-hmm. like based on magnets to, like maybe that could just be put in his chest to keep yes. this, this the particles coming from going to his heart. Some sort of no, you're not kind of. I don't care if you watch full... it. Oh, I thought we were just gonna go like maybe full body MRI scan. Uh, oh no, 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 figure out what's going. This is on. literally this is literally the plot of Iron Man. Like this is this is oh, Iron Man's oh. entire vibe of like he's got fragments in his chest heading towards. They should have let Tony Stark die. I'm just saying. They should have let Tony Stark die, yeah. And, and then, so that and Arthur then, could live. So that Arthur could live. I agree. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I, I, I stepped all over you. But they've got to go to the She. Uh, and they've got to they got to do some crazy magic shenanigans like they always do. And Merlin, of course, is like, he's not going to allow that. He's not going to let me do it. And the guy says, he will. I spoke to him. Uh, and then we cut to Morgana. Um, Hard cut. She sticks the sword, Mordred's sword, into the ground in front of his grave. And we just see that one chip from the sword where that where it broke off in arthur sticking out it's the most ominous chipped sword i've ever seen i love it i love this entire scene she is so angry 
and emotional when she says, "I this battle is not over. We will have our revenge." It's so good. I I do. I, I've long said that I don't like Morgana. The um, is it Katie? They McGrath? fumbled it long ago. Katie McGrath. We, is, we are is, just here. Is so beautiful that like her being put in like the witchy kind of druid esque kind of vibe. It's not something I really mm. like. I like. Like I, I wish. I wish she just had like extremely dope like black queen vibes right like yeah, like right, like right. fucking emma frost from uh x-men um but this is this is amazing like her stabbing the sword in the ground and like we're i'm i'm not done yet um berlin goes back to arthur telling him they're gonna leave at first life uh and arthur's just like i'll decide when we leave and merlin's like i'm not gonna just let you die and arthur looks so fucking heartbroken i just it is incredible mm. uh and and gaius you know says like hey why don't you get some rest and he tells merlin like you did the right thing in telling him and merlin is kind of shook at this point about whether just he did or not merlin up inside right mm-hmm. now um meanwhile morgana back on her throne when the saxons arrive with news they have not been able to find the king uh and she gets so upset she lashes out she screams and she fucking force chokes one of them to death uh and that's when all of the other guys are like what do we what are we why are we here (laughs) let's get can i just uh can i just go like i don't want this job anymore this stuff sucks (laughs) um back over to arthur he gives the royal seal to gaius to give to Gwen to succeed him. And he's like, I can think of no one else to succeed me. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, isn't that how it works? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know how the, how succession works in Camelot, but um, Arthur is also supposed to have had a child. What happened with that? Hey, um, Gwen, Gwen could be pregnant. We saw him getting bad right before the battle, right? Like that's, yeah, that's, that's true. If that's they were true. setting up um, sequels to this, I'm sure that they would, they would revisit some, some baby making. Mm-hmm. excellent um, <laughs> you like that but, um, <laughs> you like yeah, the baby making yeah. Merlin he's like hey by the way that girl Ira the one that the Gwen's girlfriend she can't be trusted and everyone just agrees yeah we know yeah we know um, it's very funny <laughs> they have but, to have and that. now <laughs> Gaius lights a fire under our asses he says hey Arthur's got two days most here we need to hurry um, and I guess I don't know what Merlin does at the end of the series. There's a part of me that says he stays by the shores of Avalon forever. There's another part of me that says he goes back to Camelot. He tells everyone. I don't know. I and There is no answer. So it's whatever you want to know. But there's a part of me that, at least for the show, you know, acknowledges this is the last time that Gaius and Merlin see each other. And for all the ups and downs we've had with Gaius, it is, it's just, what else can he say? I'll have your favorite meal waiting for you when you get home. Yeah. It's just, and, this is and, emotional. And I feel, I feel like it lands this, um, you know, just out, outside of the context of this podcast, like this relationship has been good for both of them. Right. Like, I think this is, yes. this yes. is, this is very, this is a very real thing. Um, Merlin and Arthur leave. Arthur is barely able to stay uh, on his horse. And meanwhile, Gaius arrives back in Camelot where he sees Gwyn and Gwen, uh, And he tells them that Arthur is wounded and gives her the royal seal, which she knows the import of. She knows how important that is. Uh, and he tells them that Merlin is taking them somewhere that he can be saved. Uh, and, and she's like Merlin. And I'm like, okay, what? I was just you were kind of like gassing him up before, but like now, now you're being disrespectful. Yeah, this is just fucking weird, guys. You're the physician. Why aren't you there? Um, yeah. And and Gwen is like, we need to send. He's the fucking king. We need to send everybody. And 
he says, no, we can't do that because uh, they're just two men riding alone. They're easier to hide from the Saxons and Morgana than a whole troop of dudes. And I'm like, you know, that makes sense. But if I was going, I'd still be sending a bunch of fucking dudes out. Like, there's yeah, just no question. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see, uh, I'm glad we get Gwen for a few, uh, some Gwen shots for one more episode. Because just him peeking through the corners, is, or th- peeking through the curtains through the window is just very nice. Like, it's just, I, I love that we had this joke and like the, the show just constantly delivered. Everybody just kept delivering. It's yeah. so good. But yeah, they, Gaius and Gwen like, share a look right now as they start to scheme. And it made me think, like, just... Does, is Gwen not going to be in on it? But um, and they they purposely do that. They make it seem like you might not know. I think um, because now they start, they're, they're scheming a little bit. And after we have this scene, it cuts over to Gwen meeting with Ira, and um, he she's like, "Oh, what's going on with the king? You seem troubled," and asks, "Where where are they taking the king?" Like she's doing the whole spy thing, uh, and it seems like as the scene cuts, like Gwen is going to tell her everything. Um, maybe it wasn't communicated to him. I don't know. Um, it just left it like open. Like, is he gonna? Is is Gaia scheming, or is Gwen about to get them in trouble again? Meanwhile, Merlin spots some Saxons coming, so he puts a cloak over Arthur and tells them to hide. Uh, and he calls out. He he creates smoke in the distance, like a fire in the distance, uh, causing probably a forest fire that still rages to this day. We have no idea what, mm-hmm. what could have happened. We, none of the outcomes of that are, are, are talked about. Uh, but these Saxons come up and Merlin pretends to need help saying that they were ambushed by two men from Camelot and that they, you know, took their person and ran to over there when he points out the the forest. And of course they don't believe him and he has to use his magic and just fucking blast them back uh, right in front of Arthur. And then Arthur sees the whole thing and he just looks at Merlin like he has no reaction to, to this. Because I feel like what they, they do such a good job of subverting your expectations. I feel like if you expect Arthur to be like, what the fuck was that? How long have you been able to... But instead, he's just like, you've lied to me this entire time. You've lied to me mm-hmm. all this time. Like, knowing... And I'm sure he's doing it. This is what I wanted Morgana to do in the last episode when I, when I talked about Morgana finding out. Just reviewing every interaction that he has had mm-hmm. with Merlin on and off the battlefield every time that they were in trouble, realizing that he could have done this. He could have had this power and didn't, and he lied to him. Just fucking heartbreaking, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this uh, is underlined with like that night because he's like trying to start a fire, and Arthur's just like, "Why don't you use, just use your magic?" Uh, and he's like, "It's just habit, I suppose." And then he uses his magic to light a fire, and Arthur says, "I thought that I knew you," and Merlin says, "I'm still the same person." <laughs> Fucking mm-hmm. Arthur says, "I trusted you," and the only thing that Merlin can do to say to in re- say in response is, "I'm sorry," and Arthur responds with, "I'm sorry too," and again puddle on the floor that looks vaguely like jeremy greer like just i am just this this scene just fucking slays me man it's like in the context greater context of the show it's like so hard to watch arthur be like this and then i remember he just went through this with mordred basically so you know he's in his feelings a little bit about this um but merlin takes off his boots arthur's wet wet boots and sets them by the fire to dry in this very tender moment and Arthur is very confused as to why Merlin continues to act like a servant. He just this, this isn't making sense to him because he is still under the assumption that everything Merlin did was a ruse um, because secretly he's this great sorcerer who is scheming something. But no, he has been scheming, but it's been, he's only ever been scheming to help Arthur. Um, 
and and serving him. I don't know how we want to unpack a master servant relationship. Frodo and Samwise got a similar thing going on, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's something that's a little beyond me. I've never been a servant to a master. We don't live in that time, really. Um, but I think that there is. I guess in the context of fantasy and medieval knights and stuff, there's something very noble about this. Um, but then you flip it on its head. It's also just, it's very tender the way that um, Merlin is caring for him, despite everything else. He is in so many ways greater than a person who takes off your boots and, and whatever, but also like what could be kinder than somebody taking care of you like that, you know, just a little bit of kindness after a, a long day at work. Right. And this is a this is a mortal wound that Arthur is suffering. And Merlin's just showing him this basic kindness, despite his own incredible power and the things he can do. He isn't letting that change the way that he treats his friend and the way that he helps him. It's, uh, you know, and, and Arthur questions this, right? Like, why are you still acting like a servant? And he says, you know, I, I'm doing this because uh, it's been my destiny since the day that we met. Like, uh, you know, was oh, that this scene? Oh, oh yeah. There, okay. There's well, we a, cut over to there's Ira brief... getting. She sends a raven to Morgana. She gets busted by Gwen and Gwen. The ruse is revealed. They gave her bad intel. Morgana's going to go to the wrong place, and Ira's going to be executed. Sorry, I, I love. Uh, we I love, love executing people. I love executing people. Like Gwen's in the mood. I love. I love Gwen's line of. Um, she tells Gwen, like, I would never betray you. She, he says, and, and Gwen says, and you didn't. And you can go to your death knowing that. Like, fucking get him, Gwen. <laughs> but yeah, then we go to this. We go back to Merlin and Arthur who were, you know, Arthur questions, like, why are you still behaving like a servant? And he says, you know, it's been my destiny. And there's some back and forth here that, like, some real brutal uh, joking. Because they talk about, like, the day they met where he Arthur, like, tried to kill Merlin. And he's yeah. like, and Merlin says, like, I stopped you using magic. And Arthur says, you cheated. And Merlin's like, you were going to kill me. And and all of this, like, and this is like their friendly joking banter that we're used to until yeah. Arthur responds to that. I should have like yeah. it, how much pain would this have prevented me from having? And mm-hmm. Merlin, tri- I don't think he means it even when he says, I don't that, think so though. either. I don't, I, I definitely don't. I think that this is just him lashing out in the moment, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. but then Merlin affirms, I do this. Like they've joked about their, the first day that they met, which that's beautiful. Um, but he said, I do this because of who you are without Camelot. Without you, Camelot is is nothing. Um, and I think Arthur disagrees here. But then Ar- Merlin is like, no, without there will never be another like you, Arthur. And I, I do this also because you're my friend and I don't want to lose you. God damn it. God damn it. It's, it's, you know, you mentioned Sam and Frodo. It's hard not to see the relationship there, right? Like it's not, it's hard not to see the comparisons of just somebody who is, so dedicated to someone who is trying their best to do something good. Something that they don't talk a lot about in Lord of the Rings, but uh, Sam is Frodo's servant. <laughs> he straight up works for that man. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's like, I guess nowadays it'd be like the guy that cuts my grass or whatever, or like my local handyman that I call. Uh, when I, but even it's like, you got you got Batman and what's his name? Arthur. Alfred. Alfred, you yeah, know? sorry. Like, there, there, there is this, this servant-master thing, which, again, I don't think it's necessarily a healthy thing for a real relationship. What do I know? I um, Yeah, definitely not. We uh, When we got married, we stayed at this, like, Italian um, this uh, bed and breakfast. They didn't have Airbnbs back then, because <laughs> I am old. We stayed at this um, bed, bed and breakfast in Italy, and... Uh, you know, every night, like we ate dinner there, like we would go do adventures during the day or, but we would have breakfast and dinner there. And, uh, we, 
somehow like this waiter guy uh, just took a like a liking to these two like American kids <laughs> and it was really weird because he was and he was great and, and like obviously I have very fond memories of this but he was like anything that you guys need he was like at our beck and call and like volunteered to do this like we don't and it was to the point where me and Autumn were like, what do we, do we just get breakfast today? Like, it's a little, like when he's starting to bring a bunch of stuff, it's just a little weird. Um, and that's the closest I think I've ever gotten to a quote unquote uh-huh. master servant relationship. And it just makes me so, made me so intensely uncomfortable. Like I just, I don't even want people to do my laundry for me. Like I right. don't, I just I wonder weird. if it's, a, it's an American thing. And I think, I don't think class systems are good and I, whatever, but um, maybe it is an American thing where we are such an individualistic society that the idea of being subservient to somebody feels so wrong. And plenty of other cultures are not like that at all, where it's it's a noble thing. Again, bring that word up again. It is a noble thing to serve somebody and do your best to help somebody out. Um, so I don't know. It's, but it's it's what we are seeing between Merlin and Arthur. Maybe it's a little unbalanced, but it's still beautiful. And I'm okay with that. And then we go back to uh, Gwen, um, who is who has summoned Gaius, and she thanks him for helping unmask um, the chick, the Morgana's chick, um, and then starts talking about Mor- about Merlin and says that how he's always been there at Arthur's side, and um, you know has always been there to to help Arthur when he needed it. And then she says, you know, and then there was that sorcerer, and she looks at Gaius and she says, you knew who he was, and kind of pushes Gaius and is like you need to tell me and he says and he kind of nods like I know who he was and she, he says do I know him and Gaius says yes um, and this is the moment that I think Arthur realizes or excuse me Gwen realizes that this that sorcerer was actually Merlin and that Merlin's had magic this entire time mm-hmm. and uh, Gaius says something effective he'll take good care of Arthur and Mer- Gwen says I'm sure he will I'm pleased uh, yeah. and this is like just this acceptance. I think I, 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 I'm, we've talked about it so much. I really wish we had, hadn't gotten brainwashed Morgana. I really wish we had spent, excuse me, brainwashed Gwen because I think building up Gwen and Merlin's relationship to the, and then finishing with this point of her just accepting it and not not mm-hmm. saying anything about it is would be fucking perfect. Um, Absolutely. Instead, just, instead like, it just like lives in my ending, <laughs> This ending is like landing so many things that we just like like landing it well. Having Gwen's reaction be this, I'm pleased. It's beautiful, but they, we missed a lot of the buildup, unfortunately. <laughs> it's it's intense, man. It's really really intense. Uh, the crow arrives uh, the, to, yeah, to the Morgana. raven arrives to Morgana. Mm-hmm. She gets her bad intel, but she's she's ready to go find Arthur. And then we just watch a quick execution. Just quick execution. Uh, <laughs> hey, and, it was and, in episode one. It's got to be in the it's in, in the opener. Yeah. It's got to be in the ender. You know what I'm saying? We love uh, yeah. we love to execute Wayne people. And, Gwade and Personal watch from, you know, behind some curtains in a window and they decide it's time to go and get some revenge on Morgana. They know where Morgana is going to be because they just sent her on a wild goose chase and they're going to go be there, which is unfortunately a critical error for uh, the boys. Uh, meanwhile, Arthur is, is struggling even to to sit up. Uh, Merlin has to hold him up and he begins to question Merlin again. You know, why did you never tell me? Um and Merlin says, you know, you would have chopped my head off as kind of the flippant answer. But then he says, I didn't want you to, I didn't want to put you in that position in order to. Yeah, before that, before we even get to that, Arthur says, I'm not sure what I would have done. And this is where Arthur, I think, is finally outwardly opening up. And then Merlin says the thing, I didn't want to put you in that position. And that's what worried you. Um, everything here, it's even Arthur's voice is so 
uh, it's so off because he's dying. <laughs> but it's there's a few different times where his voice almost breaks. And it's just like there's there's emotion slipping out, even though he's not doing anything too out of the ordinary with his delivery. Um, it, it's really, really interesting. But yeah, Merlin says, I didn't want to put you in that position. I think that that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's thinking so much about Arthur. Also don't know how true that has been <laughs> throughout the series, but whatever. And and he goes into a, a longer thing about, you know, some men are born to do oh, this yes. stuff. Uh, some men are born to plow fields. Some men are born to be great physicians, some to be great kings. And Merlin says that he was born to serve Arthur and says, I'm proud of that and I wouldn't change a thing. And at this point, Arthur, you could tell, is just, he's so overwhelmed with emotion that his brain has short-circuited. He just looks, he, he looks stupefied. Like, just his like, eyes remain locked on Merlin's face. Even as Merlin has like turned away, he's doing whatever he's doing with his hand, you know, preparing whatever. And Arthur is just, his eyes are just locked on Merlin as he is absorbing what was just said to him. And I think that Arthur, for the first time in his life, and even after the sorcerer reveal, he is feeling what true friendship, loyalty, love, what that really, really is. He, I, it, to me, in that moment, he is like stupefied with with those things, with friendship, loyalty, and love. Looking at Merlin because he's just all said and done. He cannot believe what Merlin is capable of, and yet he still chose the path that he took. Um, and I and I think that he's Arthur is in awe of that. So not to not to jump ahead to the end, but there's towards the end of this episode, Arthur apologizes to Merlin and says, "I'm sorry for the way that I treated you." Uh, do you think that this is that moment? Do you think this is the moment where he starts thinking not of just like Merlin, how Merlin lied to him all this time. He stops thinking about this in terms of a betrayal and starts thinking like, oh, like he felt like he, and I mean, and I hate to say this, like he felt like he couldn't come out to me, right? Like, do you think it's this moment where he's like, oh, I have set up a situation where he couldn't tell me yeah. this, that I've, I forced I put him to Merlin lie. in that position. Yeah. Merlin is... Maybe I'm reading too much. It's almost like Merlin is better than me in that regard. Like, as an individual, he was worried about how I would feel. Meanwhile, I've been treating him like shit and putting him through the ringer. And all this time, he was worried that it would put me in a bad position if I knew the truth. Like, it's there's just so many layers to this onion, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's and I, and I do think that, magic aside, this is where Arthur again truly starts to feel that love and i think again magic aside it's the realization of wow forgetting magic this person has done so much for me they have been so selfless they have struggled so much just because they believe in me and they want the best for me i can't believe my behavior i can't believe the way that i've how did i never truly see what was right in front of me. It's, I mean, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. This is a, this and is a, <laughs> I don't know what we're doing on this podcast. I'm just going through all of the emotions. As we continue to reel from that, we cut over to Morgana and her men as they approach the, the spot where Arthur is supposed to be. Um, and we see Gwen and Percival are waiting in ambush. This stresses me the fuck out. I don't even know why it's part of this. Um, they strike out. They they sneak down. They take out her men, and then 
Gwen steps up to Morgana, faces off against her. And before anything could even happen, Percival jumps out of nowhere and stabs Morgana in the back. Perfect. That doesn't seem to matter later. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because and we're, we're, we're going to find out that like she has evolved with her magic so much that she, oh, that's right. she can't that's right. be that's killed right. by Mortal Blade, which makes sense because like, uh, like when... We saw this last episode, and I was a little bit confused about it because Merlin uh, struck her, and it looked like she like got hit, but it didn't seem to damage her in any kind of way. Like she has just become a person that cannot be killed at this point. Which, yeah. if you're going to set up a villain that cannot be killed, uh, I need you to do a you little bit tell more. Us. Yeah, you should, you should tell, tell us, us about that. <laughs> like I know you showed us, but like not all of us are, are 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 really quick with that, and you didn't really mention it. Like you just kind of did. You left it a question, like confirming that she, like, oh, no mortal blade can kill me. Would that, I would have liked to know that about three episodes ago. Yeah, um, definitely. Definitely. It should have come up. It just feels like that should have come up. This doesn't um, work. So she uh, she flings she, them both she away. She tosses them, boys. Merlin mm-hmm. uh, uh, stumbles into some more Saxons, and Arthur sees him use magic uh, this time to... Is it, I think this is the distraction one, right? Where he rustles... He, uses, them, he distracts them. And, uh, and Merlin... Uh, oh, he uses the... He sees the path ahead. That's what he does here. Merlin it. uses his yeah. powers to see the path ahead because he thinks that there might be some Saxons up there. And he's like, no, if they were here, they're gone now. Uh, and Arthur's like, so he, you're not an idiot. That was another lie. <laughs> Merlin says, no, that's just another part of my charm. And he flashes in that smile that I saw in episode one of the show the first time we talked about Merlin and the Monster of the Week outtakes. And I said everybody in this show is flirting with everybody else <laughs> that's that smile that we saw at the beginning that that made me fall in love with this show um it, it he just hits arthur with that real quick uh and then unfortunately we cut immediately over to morgana and the cock snake cock snakes back everybody uh you thought we could go one episode without the cock snake but no she pulls out the cock box uh and Gwen is absolutely <laughs> terrified Percival wakes up and he's also tied up. Um, and Dude, it's okay. So this is the one of the wildest series of events of all time. <laughs> we go from we think we stabbed Morgana, but we didn't. To oh no, Gwen's gonna get hit with the cock box. To Percival is is roped to two trees and he's so strong <laughs> that he rips the ropes. He like goes Super Saiyan and breaks free. But then. He's not in time to save Gwen. So, unfortunately, Morgana uses the cock box on Gwen. We hear his screams in the distance as Percival struggles. And it's pretty epic, you know? But it just feels like it's thrown in here to give these boys something to do in the last episode. Yep. And, unfortunately, Gwen fails and and gives up um, Morgana's or, or Arthur's location. Yep. We don't even talk about that yet. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um we cut back over to Merlin, who is using magic to lure away the Saxons now. Um, and this is, again, Arthur has another realization. As Merlin has just you know done some trickery, he says, you've done this before all these years, and you've never sought any credit. That's another huge thing. And this is a concept that we've done before. He said it to, to Mordred, like, oh, I don't do it because I want credit. He said it to plenty of people. Like, I'm fine living in the shadows and just making a better world, even if nobody knows that I'm part of it. Um, and Merlin just very offhandedly in response to Arthur says, that's not why I do it. It's, um, again, that, that slow progression to Arthur, like, realizing that 
maybe this wasn't as one-sided and like maybe he needs to like rethink his relationship with Merlin a little bit. And this is that moment of like, why didn't you, you were constantly doing this. Like you were, you were just doing this and not even telling anybody. And you were just looking like an idiot. Like, what do you like? He just doesn't even understand. He can't, he doesn't have the capacity to understand the selflessness. Right. And I think that's, that's always been Arthur. Arthur has his own selflessness and he's worked through his own vanity, but like glory is, is part of being a knight, part of being King. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like I have to be the one who goes in there and fights for each and every one of my men. They need to know that their king can do it for them. Meanwhile, Merlin couldn't be further from that. Nobody can know what I'm doing for them. Um, And that concept is so foreign. I think Arthur goes from, as much as I don't want to say it, seeing Merlin as lesser to seeing him as equal to seeing him as greater than it go. It's it's in within these two days that they travel together. He goes through this complete like 180 on him. Yeah, it's it's really this is intense, dude. Like this is an extremely intense show uh, episode, and it's just it's again it, the complaint comes back that I just wish we had so much more time because what is there is really good, but then before there's any time to deal with it, we've moved on to the next thing, and and that that next thing happens to be Gwen fucking dying. Yep i I thought watching it the second I watched it Sunday and I didn't take any notes, and then I watched it a couple days after took notes. I thought surely this time I'll catch. What happened to to Gwaine. Surely he did not die. Death he by got cock snake. Cock snaked. Mm-hmm. Gave up Arthur mm-hmm. and then died. Horrible, horrible ending Dude, for huh? this guy. Like it was so. It was so. I just didn't even believe it. It's really difficult for me to understand why we had like four episodes of brainwashed Gwen and is there, not, and not is a there single something... like night adventure for the for, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want a whole episode. Percival never got to do anything, so I get him kind of having like a moment here. Uh-huh. But is this a, is this a thing from from the the legend that all of his knights fall one by one? There's a bunch of guys who never even came into the story, and that's fine. Is Percival in in the legend? Is he the only one who remains by? the queen's side when everybody else has been defeated i don't fucking know but i'm i just don't get it why was percival the only one in fact it almost would have made more sense if they both died and then it's like okay not and leon is still alive but it's like the last of the knights of the round table have passed from this world with their king yeah um and you could even conjure up some lore thing that arthur is going to return and he'll summon his knights back to his side uh, but Percival lives, and that throws a whole wrench into everything. <laughs> and I just don't know why we killed Gwen. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I think, I don't, I mean, I see for a plot reason, right? Like, I feel like we had to get Morgana and to, to find Arthur eventually. Um, and then we had to kind of, we, we did some machinations to get him there. Uh, it just seems so just ruthless to have Morgana murder Gwen off screen, essentially. Uh, and, and not to get with the cock snake, with, not even with, like with the he died in battle. Yeah. Like a really, really live by the cock, die by the cock. That's, you know I, I mean, that's, I, we've been saying that since the beginning, Chris, I don't think we've ever okay, changed our episode mind. One. Go back to episode one. Listen to that again. Um, um we get back to, uh, after Gwen dies, which, you know, RIP to a I, real one. Is it just supposed to be like, well, we have to balance the scales. And because, Gwen is the reason that they were almost ambushed. So he had to pay know, for this. That just doesn't make any sense. Did they just want to give him something to do? Did they decide on the day? Did he, the actor say, let's kill Gwen. It's the last episode. Let's give him a death. I don't know. But I don't like it. Um, we go back to Arthur and Merlin. 
uh, Merlin reluctantly agrees to take a break, uh, and he tries to kind of nurse Arthur at the at the campfire. And Arthur at this point seems like he is fading extremely fast. Uh, at his like he's kind of out of it. He's like he's almost drunk acting a little bit, but he's mm-hmm, just kind mm-hmm. of you could tell like he's he's just he's he's losing. Vitality. You can tell he has a piece of Dragonforge steel stuck S- in his heart. It's going directly for his heart, and he begins to say like to apologize. He says, I, "I don't want you to change who you are. I want you to always be you." And I'm sorry for the way I treated you. And of course, there's a little joke here. Does that mean I get a day off? He goes, "No, I'll, I'll give you two. Uh, and then he passes out, uh, and Merlin mm-hmm. literally just cradles his head as as he, as he sleeps. Uh, we get a very quick look at Morgana. What is Percival doing? But Percival just went back to Camelot. Like, see you later. Bring Gwen back. Because he's tracking Morgana. Like he stops and he looks in the mud. Oh yeah. And I also look to see does he have Gwen on the back of his horse? He fucking doesn't. The he left, didn't take him. Left Gwen. <laughs> and and he he looks in the mud at the hoof. Prints. I guess this doesn't make is, it. I, like I don't know why it doesn't bother what me. I, but again, <laughs> in my head, Merlin is going to sacrifice himself to save Arthur. So I'm thinking. Uh, Percival is going to track Morgana. He's going to follow her to wherever, you know, she'll be defeated the way that she's defeated. Um, And then he's going to get to the shores of Avalon, not know where anybody is. And then Arthur will come floating back to the shore. He'll say, I don't know what happened. I don't know where Merlin is or whatever, or Merlin saved me. And Percival will bring the king home. That's what I, I just thought, surely he's doing something, but no! No, no, we don't see anything. (laughs) Is he tracking them and then realizing... Morgana has gotten too far away. I cannot catch up to her now. Like I just don't get it. What, what is there a deleted scene? No, there's not. I watched the deleted scenes. Um, I just don't get what happened. I am, I am dying. I'm, I did not expect this level of anger from you, and I'm just dying at it. This because I just he didn't do anything the whole time, and that's not the character's fault. Certainly, they just never gave him anything to do. So to have him have this big heroic thing where he doesn't save Gwen. But then doesn't go and help Arthur or Merlin or like I just I'm still reeling from all that. Um, from here we go back to uh, Merlin and Arthur. Uh, it's yeah. I'm glad this they, is a very brief thing and it's something that I've been fixated on. But they show like the clouds moving over a full moon and it just makes me think that it's always a full moon in Camelot. Like <laughs> it's always a full moon in Camelot. It's one of the best things about living there. Uh, um, Merlin has Arthur basically over his shoulder and is dragging yeah, him towards the They've ditched the horses. The they're moving through the brush now. Like they're just they they gotta move. Well, they didn't ditch the horses. Just ran the fuck away because Morgana well, showed up. Good for them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but not all of us have that luxury. And she and Morgana surprises them by her appearance and very quickly Hello, tosses Merlin away and starts to insult Arthur. She, she uh, should she should fucking know better by now. You think you can just throw this boy down a hill? What and then she just stands over Arthur and she's like, I'm gonna watch you die with the satisfaction knowing that Mordred's blade kills you, and I'm gonna watch you rot. You just knocked him down a hill. Yeah, you should you should deal with the with You had Emerus. prophetic nightmares about him. <laughs> Wake up, Morgana. She's so, Sleepy Morgana. You've been sipping on that lean she's, again, She's Morgana? back on the lean, and she can only focus on her anger at Arthur and wanting back her, wanting I, her throat. Although, even as I say all that, she's just no mortal blade can kill her. So she doesn't even... Uh, but I don't know. I, he had a lightning staff last time I saw him. <laughs> Yeah. So this this is that classic. Like, uh, I I mean I haven't seen all of Buffy, but the the beam from Buffy where they're like only this powerful weapon can can kill this vampire, and she just brings out a rocket launcher and it's like, but have we tried this? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I I hate to say this about anyone, let alone Morgana, but she does not keep that thing on her she's at not, all. She's not at all, and it's remarkable that she's gotten as far as she has without it. 
Um, she is somewhat surprised when uh, Merlin just shows up with Excalibur and is like, oh yeah, this is a Dragonforged blade, just like you gave Mordred. Uh, well, I will say this is one of my biggest gripes with the episode. Yeah. It, not not that Merlin has Excalibur, even though where did he get it? Arthur had it, obviously. Um, but just that it's like that. It's he... There is a brief confrontation at some point, either this episode or last episode. I can't even remember. I didn't take a note about it. He says, like, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't do more. Maybe I imagined this. Maybe I dreamed that Merlin said this. But I feel like there's like a brief comment of like, well, sorry that I, you know, didn't do more, that it ended up like this. But anyway, it ends now. And he stabs Morgana. And just as he's standing there, he says goodbye, Morgana. And it's just a somewhat unceremonious death to one of our main cast members who became our series villain it's just a here you go once and for all you are dead and and arthur remarks offhandedly you've brought peace to peace at last there we go and it's i I love this look from arthur as he stares at his dead sister and again i feel like at this point arthur has accepted his death like it's at this point where he's just he just realizes that he is going to die and that and i guess you saying that does make me think he does look at her he does there is a moment Mm -hmm. a silent moment where they don't say anything and i and i guess from merlin's perspective there is no time for ceremony in any of this they've got to move because arthur's fading fast so maybe that's what the writers are trying to say like there is no time to even dispose of our final villain we've just got to move um but I, but as a fan of the show, as a fan of Morgana, you want to see something burn a little brighter there at the end, instead of just the unraveling. And number one wish: let Morgana and Merlin have a conversation. Um, the closest, let them the, talk about the closest that, we you know? get to um, this is Merlin saying, uh, "I blame myself for what you've become." That's right. That's what he says. And, that's what he says. And yes. that's that's a line, and it's not enough. Uh, I feel like. It's not enough. No, I, I just need I need more Morgana in my life in general. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I. It's disappointing the way that her entire arc. I also thought I made a mention of this when we started seeing her with the dragon. Like I thought that there was I don't know in my head I must have just invented this. Maybe I had a weird dream one day, but I thought there was a lot more with her and the dragon and how important that was, uh, like their relationship. But presumably the dragon just fucks off in this episode and like it's never seen again. Yeah, Merlin told it to fuck off, and it was yeah. like, yes, father. It's, it's counting <laughs> grains of sand on the in the yes. fucking. Yes, <laughs> <middle>. <laughs> um, I I do truly appreciate that one of the most most clutch things that Merlin does in in two different instances at least is telling a dragon to fuck off <laughs> and it does <laughs> it's got no choice but to fuck off <laughs> it's so funny see you later um storms begin to rumble uh merlin drags him to the edge of the lake arthur collapses he starts saying it's too late uh merlin is holding arthur they're both sitting oh. down Face touching face, hands touching face. They he's, are he's holding so him. close to each other. It is so tender and intimate. And Arthur it's, says, it's beautiful, but you can see the tragedy already. Arthur says, just hold me, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is just, I mean, it's just so, it's just so heartrending. Uh, like I'm just, again, I just, I've stayed in a puddle for most of this episode. Um, he begins to say, like, there's something I want to say. Uh, Merlin says, you 
you're not going to say goodbye to me. Uh, and he says, I know I want to say something that I've never said to you before. And he stares Merlin directly in the eyes. And you mentioned this, they are close. They are extremely close, like hands on faces, like foreheads touching kind of close. And he says, Arthur has, has his hand around the back of Merlin's head. And, like, he, and he says, um, thank you. Uh, and then, yeah. and then he uh, hugs okay. Merlin. Just stretch this out. He says, there's something I want to say to you. Everything you've done, I know now. For me, for Camelot, for the kingdom you've helped me build. I don't know if Merlin says you would have done it without me or you couldn't have done it without me as a joke. I don't even know. But there is Arthur's like, no, no, no. Like, that doesn't even matter. And that's when he's like, I want to say something that I've never said to you before. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you, you were there. I just I just stepped on your toes because I'm so charged right that's now. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm letting you And roll, that's when man. he reaches up and he holds Merlin's head. And I expected there to be more here. I know now f- for me, for Camelot, for everything you've done, the help, kingdom you've helped me build, I want to say something I've never said to you before. Thank you. And those are Arthur's last words. Thank you. And he and hugs Merlin, Merlin and starts screaming in agony. And then he he roars the dragon's name. He, he ruins his, he ruins his fucking That's the only throat. word I could use to describe it. Like he 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 fucking ruins his throat. Like that dude could not talk after this scene. I bet. Yeah. Like I can't imagine. <clears throat> and um, sure enough, Kilgara appears to grant Merlin one last favor, and the dragon flies them from where they are to the shores of Avalon. But even that far along, the dragon says there is nothing more that he can do um merlin sees this as a failure like we we are at the finish line we can't let this happen um but the dragon says no you have not failed you have fulfilled your destiny some lives have been foretold arthur is not just a king he is the once and future king because take heart for when albion's need is greatest arthur will rise again prophecy going on here again and we realize at least i realized the the vision that that merlin saw was indeed the future he saw arthur being killed he saw arthur die that has always been the destiny but we had to we had to get him to that point i guess so that the united kingdoms could be come together and and build the future that uh, it's you know the the fabled history of of england right Mm -hmm. of of the uk and so I that's don't, what we're leading up to. And I don't know a lot about that that, that aspect yeah. of this whole story. So uh, none of that really, I don't really care. Like I, at this point. Real quick, when this motherfucker, this dragon, he says Arthur will rise again. And then he says, it has been a privilege to know you, young warlock. And he has voice breaks. Mm-hmm. What? Even the dragon got caught up? <laughs> the dragon got me caught up? And then he says, the story we've been a part of will live long in the minds of men. And then he flies away. And he leaves. He just jets. And Merlin is like, what? To the moon or wherever <laughs> dragons go when they're not helping Merlin. <laughs> yeah. And then Merlin is left alone with Arthur. In his arms, man. Like, just holding onto Arthur. Uh, and he takes hold of Excalibur. And he he throws it into the lake, where of course a, a hand reaches up from underneath the lake. I don't know if that's supposed to be Freya. She is the Lady of the Lake. I don't even remember if this is the same damn lake. So interestingly, but if uh, if so, that's his. That's Merlin's ex girlfriend. That's <laughs> correct. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, interestingly, it, Freya is 
listed in the credits for this as an uncredited actor. So presumably this is definitely Freya. Uh, that's Maybe catch- they just used her arm again from the previous episode. Yeah. Um, she catches the the sword. He puts Arthur in the boat. Uh, I it's gonna be real hard for me to talk about this. Mm. Fucking Colin Morgan does not hold anything back in this scene. He's sobbing, dude. dude he's not, not crinkle face. Not sobbing. just sobbing, man, but like ugly crying, blubbering. like mm-hmm. blubbering, true fucking can't control himself sorrow. Um, and it is. It, I mean, I just it's so effective. Like I'm, I'm struggling right now. Like just picturing his face in my mind. He that puts is, his hand on his friend's forehead. As he sobs and he prepares his, I thought this was going to be a funeral pyre, mm. and I'm very glad that he did not light Arthur on fire, because I just imagine Gwen being like, "Where the, what where, the where, where did you?" Um, <laughs> but even that, it's just we, there is no corpse of Arthur, you know. Um, the the poem that we used to use at the beginning of this podcast is from Arthur's grave. It, the real one in England, which is, of course, it's not his real grave, but it's a, you know, ceremony, probably tourist trap, whatever it is. But that's what was written on it. You know, still his, still his kingdom's keeps. Um, th- he is, his body has just been trans- sent to Avalon, wherever that is. And there he's waiting until the world needs him again. And I like the idea, this came up in the Discord, I love the idea of there being this fabled season six that's written in different fan fictions and, like, everybody gets to have their headcanon about what comes next when would arthur need to come back maybe it's you know 10 years later he comes back maybe it's the next year he comes back if you really want it he's come back and whatever and then he goes back to sleep in avalon right and merlin stays there forever so many countless possibilities which is i think the one bright spot of having a sad ending is that it is still leaves open this this window to to storytelling and to the imagination which is fun but i i like a good happy ending myself but anyway i'd, I'd... we're left we're left with this, and I... We're left with this. We're left with Merlin pushing his his friend, the person he, he's cared for the most in this world. He pushes his body out into the lake to float off I, into Avalon. I know this is a, uh, an emotional and, time for both of us, but I just I have to point out that he, he uses his boat motor spell um, that he's been using he since... His boat motor spell. And I love... He's like, he goes, Arthur would have loved this Arthur would have loved this one. <laughs> like, he, he would have been so fascinated with boat motor. I just have to use it one last time. Um, I, I'm just so happy that I got to see boat motor one Arthur more time. Arthur would have loved this. Uh, and, uh, and, yeah, he, every time, and that's Merlin for the rest of his life. Every time he does something Arthur, stupid with his powers, Arthur would have loved Arthur would have loved this. this. Um, he sobs again as he watches the boat float towards the the island. Uh, and then, and then we cut to Gwen. Yep, center frame, sitting on the throne with her crown. She's got the seal. She looks down at it, and part of me. So this is where I started to speculate. Did Merlin go back to Camelot? Did he tell them? Did he send word? Does he never go back? Does he stay there forever, watching over Arthur's final resting place? I don't know. You know, we learned last episode, Merlin is magic, and, and he is going to exist forever. He's beyond the physical, beyond time. Um, all very cool concepts. And I guess we can all un- unpack or imagine how this plays out any way we want. Part of me feels like Gwen just knows that Arthur's gone. Yeah. And, and then she knows that they have to move forward. And it's this pretty quiet scene. And then you get Leon, who's been there since season one, I think, saying, The king is dead. Long live the queen. And we see this, the crowd, and I'm looking, I'm like, is Gwen there? No, Gwen fucking died. Um, Percival's there. Why him? Um, it, it just, I just feel like all the knights, if we're going to kill most of them, kill all of them. No offense, Percival. Like, I already belabored that. 
we we see the <laughs> so crowd everybody chants it's so hilarious dude i love it so much <laughs> like what just why um, <laughs> i mean leon everybody... is there too i mean like leon gets yeah, to hang leon out was like leon is like you know he's a career cop you know what i mean like he's been there forever <laughs> he wasn't like he was the one who was already a knight he knows where all when, of the child's when... bodies are buried is what you're saying <laughs> he knows where all the he knows all the secrets um whereas Elian and Gwen and Lancelot, these were people who weren't knights, who were knighted under this new banner of the Knights of the Round Table. They were something different, something special that came up from nothing. And Leon was a part of that, but he was already a knight, already nobility. He didn't represent the same things that everybody else represented. Um, so in a way, I'm like, if Leon is the one that, you know, he stays by Gwen's side um, and helps her out, that I'm f- totally cool with that. He's always been... In a way, like that version, he is that servant sort of in a way to the, to the king and queen. He's always been there, and I'm cool with that role. Um, but Percival, what the fuck are you doing, brother? Um, but we go from this scene. We see Gwen. We see everybody chanting, long live the queen, long live the queen. It's loud. It's raucous. This is the future. This is. The future is upon us. The king is dead. Long live the queen. And then cut back to a quiet shot of Avalon, that monument out on the hill in the lake. And brother, you even alone, I was just like, "Huh?" You didn't know. You didn't As know anything about bus, this. I did not know this was fucking coming. I didn't know what would, the final scene was going to be. I didn't know how many minutes I had left in the episode. It cuts to a bus screeching by the camera, and you suddenly you realize this is modern day England. An old man, Merlin, wearing some like punk rock looking outfit, is is just walking along the shore. He looks out at. at uh, Avalon, I guess, whatever that monument. And I don't even, is that a real fucking place? Is that a real monument on a real Fuck, lake? Dude, I don't yeah. fucking know. <laughs> we are um, showing our ignorance of, of English history. I've never been to, I've never, well, I've only left the country once, went to Canada. Um, <laughs> Which does not count when you live in Maine. Not important. Not important. <laughs> <laughs> not, not an important detail for this podcast. Um, just to, just to, just to, to mention it, um, the, the guest we have uh, for the feedback episode next week uh, is familiar with some of that stuff. Like she can at least speak to some of, some of those things. I need to, so, I'm going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. So write, a lot of write down your questions uh, and hey, you out there, write, write your questions to us and we'll make her answer them without any preparation yeah, whatsoever. With no prep. <laughs> hey, you better know. Um, yeah, I did not know that this was going to happen, even though I sort of predicted this. I still wouldn't have expected. And the way that they do it, I think we're getting one last shot of Arthur. Is he going to wake up? Is something going to happen? Is he coming back? I don't fucking know. Um, and that bus going by. The only, Again, the only thing that I don't like about it is how fast it happens. Um, it's we just go from one thing to the, Arthur died, then we see Gwen, and then we see modern day Merlin. It's such a shock. But... There is the idea of Merlin waiting there steadfastly for the day that his his king returns, his friend returns, the person he loves the most returns, is really, I mean, it's, there is a tragedy to that, but there's also something so beautiful that it gave me a little bit like of the warm and fuzzies, even after all that pain I just felt watching this episode. There was something very beautiful just about that I will be here forever throughout all of time until the day you return. I will be watching over you all that time. It's it's a beautiful thing. You know, not to talk about Dark Souls in the final episode of our Merlin podcast, <laughs> but you look at, you know, <laughs> Sif and uh, Artorius, right? Yep. This this mm-hmm. wolf who stays by the, their master's grave waiting for, I mean, not even waiting for the day he's going to return, but just guarding his grave, right? You get that from Merlin, and it's a different relationship. But there's again, we bring up that master servant thing. Um, Merlin is not a wolf; he's not a dog; he's not anybody's pet. But 
there's just something I think so beautiful in that love and that loyalty that it did give me those warm fuzzies a little bit. And then I still get to imagine the time when, when Arthur is needed for whatever, you know, supernatural event return. It, maybe he never has to return. Maybe the world stays at peace forever in the universe of, of Merlin. Maybe he returns to fight nukes. I don't know. Um, but it's just something so beautiful about that. I can imagine the age passing away from, from Merlin as he appears as his young self and, and reunites with his friend and they go on to save the fucking galaxy or whatever the hell fantasy thing I want to imagine. Um, but yes, I want to mention. Wow. I want to mention uh, because I know we have a lot of uh, Doctor Who fans that uh, listen to the show. Um, they did a similar thing uh, called "The Boy Who Waited," uh, and it's it's exactly it's a very similar thing where a character has to wait for somebody for a long time uh, and does it out of a place of of love and caring that's like deep and profound. And mm. it got me just the way that this gets me when I think about Merlin doing this for Arthur. Right, just. Yeah. being just being there and like but also i think about how torturous it must be for merlin to do this mm. like we we questioned a lot of like do you think that he you know was merlin active in the kingdom after this did he just disappear did he go back to talk to gaius or did he just go his own way and like do gandalf things in the countryside or whatever whatever english wizards do i don't know yeah. <laughs> but um the idea of being of magic and living forever and of always being right. And then slowly watching mm. magic drain from the world and just while it gets worse, right? Like, and I talked mm. about this at the beginning and I'm, and I don't want to undercut your, your feeling, your warm and fuzzy feelings that you get from this. Right, but right, 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 right. Just like, I can't stop. But to think like, if we accept all of this is true, then Uther won. Like he got what he wanted in the end, mm, mm. which is just so fucking depressing when you consider yeah. the yeah, actual. My counter argument to that is the same thing I said at the beginning, whereas Uther didn't just hate magic. He hated everyone. Yeah, I, absolutely. He did not. Yeah. He refused to have friends. He wouldn't trust anyone. It was going to be all nonstop war with him. Um, oh, you're right. No, that's actually no different than modern day real life. So never mind. It, Uther did win. It, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it, it, it's just it's just it's really again that that just imagine merlin just waiting and then watching um mm -hmm. and so there's i like to also imagine because freya's in that lake him and freya they reconnect you yeah, know yeah, no disrespect to the absolute love and loyalty to arthur but you know he's allowed to have a, a water girlfriend yeah. that's all that's, i'm saying every, every, that's all i'm saying everyone's allowed <laughs> to have a water girlfriend uh yeah. it's 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 totally allowed they call them mermaids now chris i don't know if you know this they call sure, them mermaids. sure 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 i prefer water girlfriend but i i see you know i see and 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 people are fine with that as long as they're not black because people get real mad at black mermaids now nowadays which is insane they're always mad about something um yeah i just i just i had i think I, I don't dislike this ending at all i think it's it's really really powerful and emotional uh and i am a fan of like a, a getcha at, right at the very end so like this crash cut to the front is to the modern times is i think very very fun um but also it's one of those things when you start thinking really really critically about it or you start thinking like so what's been going on it's really fucking depressing <laughs> like it's yeah. like imagine merlin to this day right and one of the core i think foundations to merlin's character is his his desire to care for people and his his ability to care for for people and to want to help and it drives me up the fucking wall thinking that he's lived for like the last however many centuries not doing that for some reason or he was doing that in mm -hmm. such a way that like 
it didn't matter in the country and the magic still drained from the countryside, which is somehow even worse. It's just, mm. oh man, it's, I can't help but look at this as a bummer, um, even though I actually kind of like the episode a whole lot because of it. It's <laughs> so powerful and so emotional and I love the way that the actors gave us everything. And literally gave us everything. Like they left all of you that know, on the screen. We don't know that they can't have buses and magic. We just don't have. We don't know that. I, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. Who's to say it's supposed to be our universe? Sure. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, this is where, where it gets they have into buses and light magic. This is where it gets into season six, right? Like where you could, it can literally be anything. Uh, and I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that. Like I feel like it can, you, it. You can headcanon however you want to about this, and that's fantastic. And when I think about this, I just think about how miserable he would be the entire time, and I'm sorry. It's all I can think of when I, when I see this. Uh, man, I want to uh, – I would be very curious. I didn't listen to the commentaries ever during this, and I've notably said that I, I don't care for doing that. But I'm. do you know who was the commentary on the last episode at all? Do, do, no, okay. I don't know. I was, I'm just curious who it was so I could – um, find out what they what they would say. I would be curious if Colin and Bradley would would have any insight to what they think happens after this. So I'll have to check the Blu-ray and see if it's on there and 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 just watch it tonight. Oh uh, man, this has been. I feel like yeah, r- I'm glad out. that we have one more episode because it's like we've gone through a lot, but there's so much more. I think we still need to to talk about and unravel, mm-hmm. and and the feedback episode will give us that that opportunity to do that. And having it spaced out this far, like it's going to be in a couple of weeks, so we'll be able to. I'll um, probably rewatch the episode and in, in preparation for that, and then just because uh, I just I want it fresh in my mind, and I'm yeah, yeah I'm I'm very interested. I, we've already had a bunch of responses uh, from the feedback, and it's 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 interesting to see, hear people talk about it. I will. I will just say this. I'm. I'm really happy that I watched Merlin. I'm glad that we did a podcast about it. We had a reason to go through every episode and talk about it. I. I think that this is really like a really great show. It's a fantastic fantasy show. It's got great actors, great characters, um, and I understand why the fandom is so strong. I feel so much love for this show. And that's a great feeling to end on. Even though some of it's bittersweet, I have some complaints. I just feel a lot of love for this show. Um, you know, Supernatural, I felt really exhausted by in in many ways. And there's a lot of ups and downs, especially with the ending. Merlin, I just feel a lot of, of love and I'm happy that this show exists. And if you never watched Merlin, you're listening to this for some reason. Go watch Merlin. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I didn't I didn't really think about talking about the series as a whole. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Like, I'm I'm so happy that. Uh, I got over myself from calling it such a dorky show when you when you told me about it the first time and started watching it and then very quickly blew past you as <laughs> the number of episodes. Yeah, watched. you know when the first time I saw this year, you know, a couple years before I watched it, I thought this looks like the dumbest thing yeah. of all time. Mm-hmm. And I went through this weird phase during the pandemic. I'm stuck at home and I wanted to watch something that was really really dorky and, and fantasy. And I thought, oh, what's that show? I've seen it on Netflix. It's super fucking dorky looking. And it was Merlin. And I clicked on it and it was as dorky as I wanted it to be. And by the end of episode one, I was in love with it. Yeah. And it's I think it's just the the charm and the incredible acting crew uh, is it just comes through. And it's just it's a fantastic show. And it was so much fun to podcast about because like mm-hmm. getting into the 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 step by steps of all of these people uh, is absolutely hilarious and great. And it's it's been it's been a treat for me, Chris. I don't know about you, but it's, it's been, been a, a treat. real treat, a real treat. 
uh folks thank you for sticking with us through 65 episodes uh we have as we mentioned several times we have the feedback next week feel free to write in uh you can hit us up on patreon patreon.com slash monster of the week uh you can leave ratings or reviews you can tell your friends you can do all of that cool stuff uh and and we'll be back for one more episode uh and then we're going to switch over to our monster of the week feed to continue our coverage on the winchesters and then uh down the road a bit both on this podcast feed and monster of the week i will make sure that we announce what we're going to be doing next our next big project uh we will, we will be talking about that soon i'm sure uh so yeah thank you everybody for listening this has been this has been a pleasure it's been a pleasure bye everybody bye My voice connection does not look good. I have a feeling I'm going to be kicked out of here in a second. Or let's see if my internet can pull it. Can you even hear me? Am I roboting? No, I can hear you fine. Okay. Um, Keep up a continuous stream of laughter to all my comments, and if you stop laughing, then I'll know that we have a problem. (laughs) You actually actually roboted during that. (laughs) (laughs) It says I'm full bars now. Uh, Voice what's going on with your internet? Three green it's just bars. I'm three green. But um, I'm three green. It's definitely me. It's definitely me. I've been having internet issues all day. Hopefully, it does not completely plague us as we talk about the final episode. Real quick, I am. I'm gonna pop out of the call and then I'm gonna pop back in. Okay. Let's see. Why does it stink so much? I don't know if that will have done anything. What'd you do? I just hung up and then came back in. It looks like my internet is all set. Okay. All right. Jeremy, something very important to talk about. Okay. What do you want to talk I am, about? I am 15. I am coming down off of a panic attack. Okay. <laughs> Normal, <laughs> stressful life stuff. Panic are, attack is a strong word. I got really stressed out about work. Are you when okay? I feel like I'm in over my head. You breathing normally? Everything's good? I had to take a. I had to take about three, three, four minutes deep breaths. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, it's my trauma response to stressful stimuli. <laughs> Real helpful, and it's always, I always do this, and sometimes it's because something went wrong and whatever. But uh, sometimes it's, I just misinterpret what people say, and I just kind of assume the worst, especially in, the, in a work setting, and I don't know why, because. I'm so nice to everybody. And I've gotten comments from like other departments and like executives being like, hey, he, that guy's really nice. And it always seems like everybody is being nice back to me. But I just I find the worst way to interpret whatever their sentence was. Anyway, all that I coming off of that with some wondrous news that we love Katamari Reroll has been released. The, I now have that video game. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, on the on the on the big console. It's not just on because uh, it was on the Switch for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is the sequel. This is We Love Katamari. The other one. 
Oh, the other recently, one was just, or the other yeah. one did eventually come to PS4, but it was okay. only on Switch for a little while. Interesting. Um, that's a that's a video game I'm very excited to play. I have not replayed We Love Katamari as many times as I have Katamari Damacy. Um, so that's going to be fun to go because I feel like those games are just timeless, pretty much. Uh, they just work. Uh, highly recommend them, listener. If you're not me and Jeremy, if you don't spend all day every day gaming, Katamari Damacy, you play as a little man, um, little alien guy, mm-hmm. and you run around and you roll up a big ball. You roll over <laughs> small objects, and your ball gets bigger as you roll things up. And then eventually you, you go from rolling up pencils to rolling up cats to rolling up buildings into rolling up entire you know planets. Uh, wonderful. Extremely fun. We love Katamari. There's a little plug. There's a little plug for you. Bamco. <laughs> I, um, Doing your work for you. Katamari is one of like five video games that Autumn will always play. It's like Diablo, uh, Katamari. Um, there's another one too. That that uh, Game of Thrones uh, Tinder game. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about Tinder, but the, it's like that a, mobile game, right? Yeah, yeah the yeah, mobile yeah. game. Um, like there's just a there's a handful of games that she will always go to, and Katamari is definitely one of them. I think. Chris sold it pretty well. He gave you the basic premise. He did not say anything about how incredibly fucking charming the game is. It's like, so charming. It's like <clears throat> it's delightful on every level. It's it, especially I think back in like what two thousand five when the first one came out. Mm-hmm. It definitely had that like oh this is a wacky Japanese game before we were like anyone was exposed to anything from Japan. Um, but it has a ton of like humor and personality and color and wonderful music. Oh my god! Um, there's nothing dude, that... like edgy or dark about it. It's just like hey, it's wacky and silly and really fun. I mean, the idea of rolling up the entire solar system is a little dark, but uh, oh, but if, sure, sure, sure. I think it, there is, there's definitely a little bit of a dark implication in some of the cutscenes, <laughs> but it's sort of played for laughs, so it's okay. it is, yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, you don't care about this particular solar system when you're doing it. Uh, the music, I think, is the best is the best part. I uh, yeah. yeah, I've never been more disappointed than getting um, Apple Music on an iPhone for the first time, and like looking at iTunes, and like this was. Uh-huh. You know, this is when the iPhones came out, like 2009 or whatever. I'd never had music on my phone before that. I always had like MP3 players or whatever. And uh, I bought uh, what was on the iTunes store, which said it was a uh, Katamari Damacy uh, soundtrack. And it ended up being a remix album. Yep. I know exactly. I know the remix album that you're talking about because I bought it for like <laughs> $6 or whatever the yeah. fuck. Yeah. And I, I've just never been more disappointed in an album before because it, I was just, I mean, the, it's, it's a good album on its own. Like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, but I've just came in with the expectation of listening to this classic soundtrack and it was not that whatsoever. I, I, have, I had the, the Katamari soundtrack on my iPod for so many years. So that transitioning to having Apple Music on an iPhone, it has not it has not gone easy for me. What's the song? It's a bunch of like little kids singing. It's like na 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 that one, whatever. I used to play that in. Uh, for some reason, I was always end up with the aux cable. When, of course, middle uh, no high school. It was high school, early high school. Before any of us could drive, Steve's mom would pick us up after school. <laughs> And I would always put that song on, and she hated it so much. But for some reason, I always set it up. Yeah, the yeah dogs. <laughs> I um, this is doxing myself a little bit. I used to work for a company called Smart, um, and it had a big long acronym for that, which is hilarious if you think about it. Um, it was the MIT kind of translation. Like the actual name is fifteen thousand yeah. syllables, but it was just Smart. Um, and there's a song that song is on that soundtrack, kind of towards the end, where it's like, "We are smart." And so when we would do trade shows, uh, like we would set our booth up and everything, and I would just like 
put it on like very quietly in the background <laughs> at the trade show. <laughs> and like, you, and it, you've, I'm sure you've been to trade shows before, but like, as yeah. people are walking up to your booth, like you're in a crowded, usually like convention hall or hotel, con- you know, <laughs> conference room or something, and there's hundreds of people jammed in there and they're all talking and chatting. You cannot hear this at all. But like, every no. <laughs> time it, there would be just that brief lull in conversation, it would. We are smart. I would just be like, yes, I'm mixing my you work know, with my pleasure. You know the soundtrack is good because it's got us both singing on a podcast. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Even Jake couldn't do that. Jake was like, why don't you guys freestyle rap? And we were like, uh, oh, no, bro. Sorry, we're not going to do that thing. We have to keep some of our dignity. Um, man, I just, I've definitely told you this before or said it on podcasts before. I have such a beautiful memory of playing Katamari for the first time. No idea what it was. Probably heard about it on G4 or read about it in a magazine. And I rented it from Gamefly. Oh, I think it was man. probably like the second or third game I ever rented from that. Just trying out the service. It's summer vacation, like 95 degrees out. I used to not get my mail delivered until like 4 p.m. And I remember walking out of my frigid, cold, air-conditioned bedroom, stepping out into the heat for the first time at 4 p.m. Finally, you know, I was 15. Who gives a shit? Uh, Stepping out into that blistering summer heat, opening the mailbox, seeing Katamari Damasi, going back upstairs with it, and, and then calling my friends on the phone we weren't fucking texting i had to call people to be like you guys need to come over tonight everyone has to see this everyone gotta see this it was my favorite (laughs) thing and everybody loved it too it wasn't like a okay chris whatever it was just like everybody who saw that game was like wait this is amazing this is beautiful there was a time i think that that early 2000s era of gaming was was a weird time like that's when i got back into gaming a little bit like Mm -hmm. i had taken Mm -hmm. a long time off uh just to and not like a, even like a significant time. I just wasn't really paying attention to video games at all. Yeah. Um, and so it, it started with me, got into a 360 and then a, a PlayStation 2. Um, and then I figured out how you could mod the PlayStation 2 so I could just download games for it, which is wrong and illegal and you definitely shouldn't do that. Uh, but I did it a lot. <laughs> and uh, it was just so weird, that PS2 era, where you'd be like, here's a here's a game where you're a mosquito and you're just going yeah. around stinging people. And here's <laughs> yeah, a game where yeah. you roll up everything. And here's a game that's this beautiful amazing thing where you just the whole thing is just you holding this chick's hand and getting her through a bunch of weird puzzles as creatures come after you like it's just it was it felt like so open to possibility and then like something i didn't even get into but i think about a lot is the the whole like rock band situation or guitar Uh hero like i've never Uh played any of those ever not a single time never held a plastic instrument in my life my uh my dad used to be a mailman in uh cambridge massachusetts he's not anymore so i'm fine just saying all that um and that's where uh harmonics were to the company that mm-hmm. made rock band and uh, maybe guitar Hero. i think yeah i think they did both or, or doesn't matter one or the other and um he would he would deliver mail to them all the time became good friends with them and so they started like giving him stuff so i got a bunch of that stuff for free which was fucking awesome uh for i think i was a senior in high school when rock band came out and all of my friends were obsessed with it. A lot, all kids from school were obsessed with it. It was just like, okay, whose house are we going to tonight to play rock band? Um, I always got stuck singing, and I can't sing, but it was just like... <laughs> I was sort of the outsider of this one particular friend group. I was friendly with them. They had all grown up with each other. I was more like their high school buddy. Mm-hmm. I would get invited, which was great. They, you know, they were nice dudes, but. They'd be like, all right, well, the drums are taken, the bass is taken, guitar is taken. Chris, you can you can sing. You can sing, but yeah. Can, no, but I can't. Um, <laughs> so, but it would just be a lot of like, mm-hmm. 
like like you just gotta get as close as possible yeah. to the note without like belting um <laughs> and, but we still had fun we had a lot of fun with that i can't really imagine myself getting into those things now but it was like right time and place yeah. it's funny you mentioned like not being into games for a little while i think around that time i was probably the same way where i was you know leaving high school going into college making friends and all that kind of stuff like my life was changing a little bit but i would always end up playing like one or two new games every year and it was always the most random fucking shit i can't think of a single example right now that i say that dragon quest 2 became a huge not dragon quest i'm sorry dragon age 2 became a big thing for me and then out of nowhere that led me to eventually be like well i'm looking forward to skyrim coming out and then the month before that, I'm like, I want to play a new video game. What's coming out? Dark Souls? What is this that? This game seems cool. <laughs> game Informer. Thanks for the intel. I've said this to you, I think, as well. But that's the last game that I bought based solely on screenshots. Um, and just, yeah, looking at a magazine. Thought, hey, let's check this out. And then it's been all downhill from there. It's My life is just Yeah, it's just been trash video games since then. Um, we, we got a, um, we got a, 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 I was sitting here, I was still logged into the Patreon, um, because from this morning when I was editing, we're way ahead on episodes. So if you're listening to this, just know that we recorded it like a month ago. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I'm talking about this game that just came out. You're like, it came out like, like it came two out fucking months ago. 2023, Chris. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, but I've still I had it open and I noticed we had messages. So I, I was responding to messages uh, earlier today. And I had a new one. I say new. They wrote this in on January 30th. So sorry about that. Um, but they're suggesting stuff for us to cover after uh, we get done. Like we had asked early in January, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. what do you guys want us to cover? And they suggested something. And I'm not going to go through the details, but uh, he says, I can only find one podcast that covers this particular show. And the natural speaking voice of one of the hosts, <laughs> one of the hosts sounds like Jeremy's podcast gremlin. And for this ah. reason, I find it unlistenable. <laughs> And I don't even remember my podcast gremlin voice. I don't know that I could do it right now. I, I would do a gremlin voice. I don't even remember what I was. I don't even remember the context. I think for a podcast. podcast I think I think we're thinking of podcast goblin, which was hey hey Chris, how are you doing? Something along okay. those lines. Okay, that's Maybe what I was not thinking. exactly, but that sort of vibe for sure. Yeah, I just imagining the show that that's just the natural speaking voice of of a, of a person. I can't. Uh, yeah, that, that seems like it would be intense. I don't know how I, could, I wouldn't be able to get through that. <laughs> I, I, that is a tough thing. And uh, I, I, have, I recently started listening to something. I don't know. And it was like, a uh, oh, it was the new Waypoint thing. They're not Waypoint anymore. They remap. Are remap. And I listened to them and I, it was kind of like, well, I, I had the same exact experience where I had to adjust to their voices a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... Um, and that, I, I really like their stuff. I like those people. I like their content. But every once in a while, you go, oh, well, let me readjust to their voice. Maybe people have to do that to us. Surely not. I'm a, I'm so <laughs> weird about uh, podcasts nowadays that like I like all of those people. And I interviewed Patrick for Don't Give Up Skeleton, yeah, and, uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, but I, I, I find their podcast and most of their most of their content just unlistenable or unwatchable. I just don't like it, and that's nothing to say on them. Like I, you know, I, this is firmly they're wonderful. On the, yeah, they're great people, and they've do, probably done more good in the world than I ever will. Like I'm just like legitimately saying that. Like they've done fundraisers, and Patrick has written on state of the industry and games in a way that's just amazing. Like they they all are, are great people, and I just don't care about the end because I was excited. I was like, oh, they're they're not Waypoint anymore. They're going to do their own thing. Let me. Nope, still don't, still don't really care. <laughs> and I think it's just like general video games. Back yeah, when I was yeah, watching yeah. Um, Lovecraft Country, did you ever watch that? I don't, I don't think you did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was a really, really good show, and Autumn and I were kind of obsessed with it. And she found that there was a companion show, 
uh, a companion podcast, like an official mm. podcast. And it was a podcaster media person who was like known in horror movie genre for doing horror movie genre stuff that was hosting it. And then her co-host was one of the writers on the show. Um, and I pilot, I don't remember it. This is years ago. So I don't remember any of their names now. I could look it up, but yeah, who cares? Um, <laughs> the co-host, it was the most dramatic reaction I've ever had on a, on a listening to a podcast because I was like, this person sounds so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a very, very stereotypical, like California cheerleader, like ditzy gotcha. blonde kind of, kind of thing, except she wasn't like, it was, that wasn't her personality. It was just literally her voice. Like it just mm-hmm. had the same cadence and like sound to it. And like, it took me a whole episode to be like, okay, I can listen to because it was just broke my brain for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. I, and then I mm-hmm. came to love it. Like the podcast was really, really, right. really good. That's the thing is you often do just to just to the way people sounds, and it's interesting. I don't know if I've ever really had the experience that we're talking about with people in real life, where I hear somebody talk unless they've got a really strange voice. I'm probably not going to notice because you see the words coming out of somebody's mouth and it sort of all just clicks into place. But when you're just listening to a voice and not seeing the person speaking, suddenly that you can only fixate on how they sound. So it's like, whoa, that's odd. <laughs> I don't know if I can have you in my ears. <laughs> I find in real life the thing that puts me off of, uh, not puts me off, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. The thing that I notice more than people's voices are their laughs. Um, mm. I don't. Have you seen the very hysterical TikTok or, or, or viral video that goes around various services uh, where some French game show just put a bunch of people with weird laughs into the same room? <laughs> no. And no. then like one starts <laughs> laughing, and it's just the weirdest fucking laugh that you've ever heard. And then like three other people start laughing, and it's the weirdest laugh that you've ever heard. And it's awful and hilarious. I have developed a wheezing laugh. Oh no! Now, I don't. I don't think about it like like a more like kind of like what I just did like <laughs> like some more of that and Jess always calls me out on it. She's like, you you didn't always laugh like that. What's going on? I think it's because of laughing onto podcasts. When I laugh too loud, I see the waveform go up. So oh, I like yeah. so you're, have you're sort of like it. tried to like adjust it, and it's not that I think about it that much, but I do think part of me has like kind of adjusted the way that I laugh, although. There's always laughter in my voice, right? Of so, course, yeah. You're you're always. I'm always giggling. Uh, unless you want to talk about fucking boy genius, let's talk about Merlin. Oh, we can talk about Merlin. Uh, we don't. I don't really have anything to say about boy genius. That except they just made me cry three times last night. So, mm-hmm. oh, and, it's one of it's one of those nights you just get into it. It's it's yeah. All right, I'll we'll spare everybody. Let's talk about Merlin because this is gonna be a doozy. And I'm hungry. This is going to so. be a boy genius kind of episode. You know what I'm saying? This, this is kind of... Oh, no. I clicked on Netflix. Close, Netflix. Get out of here. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to get violent. <laughs> I had an outburst. Should we come up with fun names for this one since this is our last episode? Uh, I mean, like, the last episode of Supernatural was, like, uh, non-consensual pluck. So I think fun names is fine. Oh, sh- Sure, sure, yeah. sure, 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 sure. <laughs> like I think this is not the only. I feel like the only serious one that we ever did was uh, Destiella's Canon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that no, one was pretty real. You yeah, know? that that was just saying the thing that was on the tin. So, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any. I think we've always named stuff dumb so that people expect it. Well, I mean, like our own names, like you know how to introduce myself as Goblin Chris or something. Oh, we, somebody in the in the Discord just recently said that they really, really appreciate you doing that, and you disappoint them every time you don't do that. Now, well, so. there's my last chance. Just here's your last chance to do it. Oh so. shit! I didn't plan anything. Oh, uh, what are you gonna make up? You got to make it up on the spot, Chris. 